welcome back everyone to the podcast for the love of cinema a movie podcast where our motto is we just hope it doesn't suck this episode 341b b b the second episode for the week we will now discuss our thoughts on oppenheimer available theatrically with you for that discussion grayson maxwell roger stillian and christopher bond for the episode discussing barbie including the whole box office breakdown what's streaming and trailer chalk check out episode 341a posted on tuesday 8 1 spoiler we hated it power of the patriarchy <laughs> we all patriarchy is not about horses unfortunately it is never not. mind i hate it now all right, gentlemen, let's... I lost a lot of interest. <laughs> let's talk about Oppenheimer, shall we, How boys? many Ken jokes should I put in Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer? <laughs> Zero, please. Thank you. Let's talk about oh, the... Yeah, it's going to be at least five with that kind of attitude. <laughs> let's talk about Rotten Tomatoes score for Oppenheimer. A whopping... I haven't even looked, even looked at that yet. A whopping 94 on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. A 93 audience score. So it's hard to see where people would actually watch Oppenheimer and not and, think it's yeah, a good like movie. go to see that movie yeah. and not like it. Yeah. However, you you'd not be surprised. You don't have to like it, but at least understand that it's a good film. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Again, I went down the I went down the review hole and people said the dumbest things about too long. Why do you do, why do, you do that to yourself? Because like, I like, like, this, like, I'm, just, like, I'm generally interested in what people are saying, especially the bottom of the scale. Okay, here's a zero. Here's a zero. Can I just read it? These reviews yeah. are so fake. Whoever wrote them keeps referencing the prestige in three hours felt like 30 minutes. So it just it goes on. It's just, ah, oh, man, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But there's, there's a lot of very good reviews. I, I Again, like you just said, Roger, I can't see anyone watching this movie. Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe it's a lot to take in and you didn't, maybe you didn't quite follow the whole trial and black and white versus color film and, and maybe that whole kind of got around you but like you walk out of oppenheimer thinking all right that was actually pretty good yeah maybe i'll give it a second viewing someday one of my favorite quotes about oppenheimer before the movie came out was somebody was like oppenheimer is a three-hour movie about the largest scale terrorist attack ever performed on any country and somebody immediately on twitter or x as it's now called mm-hmm. uh immediately was just like wow even before the movie comes out, you're ruining spoilers. They're like, this may surprise you <laughs> that there are many books written about the subject. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to watch the movie to tell you what at least part yeah, of it's um, about. A big spoiler. Uh, they make the bomb. Two of them. <laughs> <laughs> or, or people that were like, don't spoil the end of Titanic. What's wrong with you? Um, I hate to tell you, but history is oh, a thing. You poor sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh Lord, <laughs> poor sweet summer child. All right, to gentlemen, let's dive into Oppenheimer. Let's get some particulars out of the please way. Please don't try to read the cast. Oh God, no! I'm going please to read what the cast. Yeah, this is no, my part. but I'm not going to say their characters. I'm just going to read the cast. Okay. Well, no, because like it's going to be like <laughs> I know. This is, uh, you know what? Actually, part. I'll be back in seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cillian Murphy, as of course the title is so it's the title character of Robert Oppenheimer. His wife Emily Blunt. Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Benny Safdie, Michael Arangano, Josh Hartnett, Remy Malek, Kenneth Branagh, Dane Hahn, D- Dylan Arnold, David Krumholtz, Aldine Einrich, Matthew Modine, Gary Oldman, Alex Wolf, Casey Affleck, Jack Quaid, Emma Dumont, Matthew, Matthias Schweigfer, sorry if I said that wrong, uh, Christopher Denham, Josh Peck, Tony Goldwyn, Olivia <laughs> Trilby, James Still Remar. Really. But that's the thing is a lot of these people have worked with Nolan before on some of his various movies. So it's kind of a, it's like a veritable, it's like a, a, 
a rotating cast of veritable. This cast is so fucking big, though. It is. It's got to be one of the biggest casts of all time. It has to be. Um, of course, directed by the man, the man himself, director Christopher Nolan. Uh, written by Christopher Nolan. But Roger, what's Oppenheimer about? Uh, Oppenheimer. <laughs> Fiend. Fiend. <laughs> it is. No, it's I, a story of our boy uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer um, starting a few years before he became involved in the Manhattan Project and uh, going through that, all that that entailed, and then a little bit after that about how um, things shook out for him post-World War II. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's, that's the best summary I can really give you. Well, it's a biopic, and I didn't. When I first heard about this, I was like, "Please don't be a biopic! Please don't be a biopic!" Would you want it to be like a fun action film? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, what the fuck! I didn't mean it like that. I'm not that meant, is offensive. I meant psychological thriller. I wanted more akin to. I, I guess I wanted more akin to like the Prestige, or something else that had like more of a more of a story or narrative rather than just kind of a dramatic retelling of what happened. Don't get me wrong. This movie is incredible. And the acting in it is second to none this year so far. I think they um, should have made it a slasher. Great. There we go. That another hour of Roger doing this. That's fantastic. Okay. I haven't said one thing about Ken yet. <laughs> so you have it. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to beat you off. I'm going to beat you all off. All right. Now, how did you guys That's watch very this? aggressive. I know, right? How did you guys watch this? Like, was it in the big uh, theater? On, on, my, on with, my cell phone. With my eyeballs? With, well, I was taunting Ridley Scott via Twitter. <laughs> no? I mean, that's, that's a, a good callback joke. It is. No, it was, I mean, was good. Uh, well, I, I mean, I watched it in the theater. Yeah, same. I didn't see it in IMAX. I did see it in a, in a Big D Dolby, though. Okay. So the I did not get incredible. the option to see it in Big D. I got to see it in the 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 other one beside it. Yes, uh, number nine, nine, Wait, ten, eleven. It was what in was, eleven when I watched. What it. What was yeah. playing in ten? Barbie. Barbie. Oh, really? That's a weird one. Um, Is it? No, they were doing back and forth on all yeah. weekend. Oh, okay. They, they, so, they okay. rotated it out. Because yeah. here's the thing: the problem with Oppenheimer being so long is if you don't balance what houses it's in, you don't get as many showings during the week. Yeah. Because yeah, you can only run it on one screen three times a day. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's yeah. I was, and you need that fourth show in there. I I, I agree, and you can bounce them around. Um, but it's a weird. Yeah. It's, if you like, you don't want to watch this movie. And I'm just using if you know if you if a listener you know Carmike Cinemas it used to be Carmike now I am AMC in St. Clairsville, Ohio. Some of those screens are downright terrible. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Auditorium 100%. one is terrible. Two is terrible. Three is terrible. True you know, story about Auditorium one. That's where I watched The Machine by myself last month. <laughs> I think the same, actually. Because that's the one though, where I was the only person in the movie theater. Yeah. So, well, Okay, quick funny story about that. Uh, my brother, I told you uh, like I was going to go sit a movie with him. Mm-hmm. Huge, He's a huge fan of it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I saw him, and like he, he ditched me. I went and saw it by myself. The next week, when we watched Transformers, I walked into Theater 1, and it was just me, him and his girlfriend watching it in there. Which we didn't plan that. It was kind of funny, I thought. So he ditched me and then went on to the movie in the same theater one that you're talking about. Hmm. Anyway, story company is over. Thanks. He's a dick. He is. Fuck that guy. He listens to the show, by the way. Fuck good. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Back now to, that derailing back off, to off Oppenheimer. Now that we've alienated a single handed, single handedly alienated so about one listener. <laughs> I, want to, I want to talk about one thing. So, Nolan, and I don't think you guys would disagree with me, I think Nolan has a distinctive style at this point 
um, both visually and audioly. He has a he, has he a, likes to do the sound far wow. too loud yeah. sometimes. <laughs> well, actually, in this movie, I had never noticed that. This is the one of the few movies that like it actually works very well in because of the mindset of of Cillian's. Um, is it Cillian or Killian? I think it's Cillian Murphy. It's Cillian. Cillian's Oppenheimer. Like I loved how they used the, you know, sometimes they used the, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I loved how we used the flash and the sound sometimes when he was like, mm-hmm. we're thinking about something or he's, you know, he's looking at something and it's dawning Focusing. on him. And, or give given like that speech and he, like, that was fucking brilliant. So I think what we I love so sound that for, way during tenant. What I loved, what I love Nolan so much for, and this is something that you guys can also speak to, I'm sure, is he loves to use. He's a guy who knows how to incorporate a wonderful score with, you know, that deep, reeling kind of haunting score, usually Zimmer, with kind of the story he's telling. And I think in this one's, it's no different. And this one is, this movie harkens back to the my favorite era of Nolan, which is the the dark Knight trilogy and insomnia prestige. And um, what's the one with the, 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 the layers in No, not nurse Eller, Um, The layers inception. in the inception. I, that's the era of Nolan. I love that's a Nolan movie. You forgot. <laughs> well, I just enter and I thought interstellar and I couldn't anyway, um, this movie harkens back to that. And it's, that's what I like about this one is it, it reminds me of old, older Nolan. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Before we Man hop- does love to make a fucking three-hour movie. He loves his movies to be long and thick. Long and thick. Yeah, that's, you know. We'll just leave that one go. Prefers his <laughs> movies girthy. <laughs> God damn it. I mean, if, if any movie is, it's Oppenheimer. Jeez. Oh, man. I don't know. So how would you guys describe yes. if, if one of your friends is like, you know what? I like... I saw the trailer. What's it about real quick? I'm going to go watch it. What do you tell Depression. him? Depression. No. I'm no. going to tell, tell him it's a character piece about, about the man Oppenheimer. J. Robert Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's... Read a book. <laughs> this movie is, isn't is complex enough to where it requires a deeper explanation of what it's about than it is, I don't think. I think that this movie, one of its positive testaments is the fact that this is a movie about one guy and the journey of his life, the major event that sh- that shaped everything afterwards, changed of, the world about about his genius in creating the atom bomb, and then how it affected him from his perspective afterwards. That's all this movie is. But it's and like the fact that that's all you're watching, but it's a three hour, it's a three hour piece, you know piece of art essentially that Christopher Nolan has made that is captivating enough if, if if you like these kinds of movies that that's all it has to be about this movie it tells a very detailed story of one guy and his journey from point you know point a which is his his time in graduate in you know grad school all the way through after he makes the atom bomb and changes the world forever like roger just said and how it affected what the aftermath you know uh, if, uh, what the fallout is you know pun intended for him afterwards as well that's what this movie is it, uh, he's an inter- uh, Robert Oppenheimer himself is an interesting enough character too, because the story, the person of Oppenheimer is such a wild, like character itself. Because like, look, this is a pretty accurate retelling—not retelling—a pretty accurate telling of 
the Oppenheimer story. Mm-hmm. And from all that I have read, it plays out pretty much how he is, his mannerisms, the way that he acts with people, the way that he's not the best person in the yeah, world, yep. you know, with him being like a womanizer yes. and that sort of stuff. Because like, look, that's real. Like they don't try to they don't try to gloss it up and make Robert Oppenheimer some sort of fucking weird folk yeah, hero. No. Because look, he's just a dude. They show his flaws. Yeah. And all he, yeah. He, he's a regular guy that's super genius. And what he does changes the world and the consequences that happen and how he copes with them and how the world copes with what he did afterward. And like, that's what this movie deeply is about. And they don't try to be like, they don't present him as a hero because like, look, some people vilify Robert Oppenheimer for the entirety of forever. Mm-hmm. Like in human history, he may be the worst person ever. I can think of an Island nation that probably thinks that way. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's plenty of people in America that think that way too, though. True, true, very true. Um, but like they they tell his story as like a real person, and I think Nolan does a really good job about making this guy. Listen, it's it's understand like it's stated very early on about how smart Robert Harbenheimer is, right? I mean, he's legitimately hobnobbing with top physicists, like globe trotting you know hanging out with einstein and those sort of things and like even they recognize how smart of a dude he is he right is. away yeah. yeah like they don't beat around the bush here like he's a genius mm-hmm. and you know they show with his flaws they show like how he almost screws everything up by just being there's multiple points in this film beginning middle and end where he almost screws us up because of like the the tendencies he has the just very... so he could go have an affair with a woman that uh another he... affair with a woman yep well he uh, he yeah, he in the in the book that in his in the biography that was made about him that this is based off of he he tried he almost killed one of his professors with an app with with the, yeah the cyanide apple, apple. That, that, that's like a real thing that he did and it's like that early on shows that like like he has the propensity to take life in his head and you have to be a certain kind of person that makes the atom bomb right like yeah you, like that that propensity has to that be moral possible. conundrum must be yeah tough. like it's like you know and he like it shows that he while he listened to his you know, where he gave in to his, like, you know, his temptations and his sin, like, in that moment to try to do that, but then immediately regretted it and understood the gravity of what he was about to do. That That's a theme throughout this. There's there's things that he does. That Actions goes, have consequences. Yeah, exactly. And, and, like, there's so many different things that happen, small and big, that are because of the person that he is is why he ends up where he does and the ability to, to make what he, you know, to make the atom bomb. It, I think it's a good breakdown of an imperfect person because you know like you said they don't make this guy to be some hero and like this perfect guy like they're very true to who he is and some of the most interesting people you know he's not a perfect person they're flawed they're not perfect and along the way the ride that we get taken on by both by murphy and nolan in this is it's fantastic. It's it's one of the I, like a lot of the things you see about this movie when people are talking positively about it is like it's a three hour movie and it only felt like two. Eh, it feels like a three hour movie. Don't get it, me wrong. It feels how like many times you pee during this movie? Huh? How many times you pee during this movie? <laughs> I went to the restroom. I went to the restroom three times in this film. Well, I was trying to make sure I was actually right on that. Same. Okay, yeah. So let's just 
I want to ask you guys a question then. Yeah. Did it? Okay. So this is a three-hour movie. How yeah, long did it, it feel is. to you? It felt like three hours to me. It felt like it, it felt, felt like two like hours it, and forty-five minutes for me. It felt about yeah. three and a half for me. Only okay. be, only because after for some reason I had this preconceived notion in my head, and I, and I don't know why I did that. After they successfully once the bomb was done, once the, the bomb was done. was done, the movie was done, <laughs> and like, and I I so, had to I had to pee so well, fucking bad that <laughs> I wanted it to be done. And oh, hold on. So let, let's let's put some perspective in this. Let's actually tell them. So, folks, if you haven't seen Oppenheimer yet, okay, by the time the atom bomb part, the Manhattan Project comes to the atom bomb part is complete because Manhattan Project doesn't actually end yeah. then. Okay, when the atom, when the two atom bombs roll out of Los Alamos, New Mexico, like an Autobot, pretty much. <laughs> there is yeah. still an hour and twelve minutes of movie yeah, left. You're only one third of the way, th- two thirds yes. of the way through this movie. Once the atom bomb is done, yep, you still have an hour to go. Yep, but. As I said earlier in our pre-show that I've I've said to other people is this movie is not called Atom Bomb. No, nope. it's called Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, and it's a character piece on everything leading up to the event at in question, and then after because this affects his entire life, basically from the time he's twenty until he until you know where we are now. It affects him all the way through all these all this time, and that's what this movie is about. It's not about just the atom bomb. Yeah. So for the people that are thinking about seeing this movie because they want to see the atom bomb go off and the, what what it does and blah blah blah. Spoilers: You don't even get to see the atom bombs and like actually go off. You see the te- the, the the finished test, but you don't see the bombs dropped on you know on Japan in, in, yeah, in, in World War Two. You don't see that at all. Nope. You hear it secondhand, just like Oppenheimer does about about when they did it. It gets the radio call basically yeah, about the results of it, about what happened, about the, the, the devastation it wrought. So like all of that is all secondhand to the guy who made the damn thing. So that perspective is important because that's the perspective we're writing. The majority of this film is, is, you know, has Murphy God in probably 80 percent, 85% of the shots. Well, you see, I think, I think a more fair more than that. Maybe it could be. I'm, I'm, I'm low balling just to be safe. Honestly, I think a more accurate and fair, if you're going to explain to someone, it's like, hey, yes, it is a Nolan film, so you already know like the style you're, you're getting with it. But this is, I mean, this is it's a biopic about it's a biopic about J. Robert Opp- or Robert J. Oppenheimer, but it's also about J. Robert actually. Oh, it's, J. Sorry, sorry, nothing. J. Robert Oppenheimer. Um, it's. I also think it's a. I mean, it's it's accurate and probably more responsible to tell people this is also about the moral implications of should we or shouldn't we do what we did yeah. and, and it is for, for i mean that's why they're having all these you know all these trials and tribulations and they're trying to get to the bottom of you know because they don't know what information was stolen and who was giving information to who and like all that's very relevant and important you know especially then when you know the, the whole mccarthyism and then we knew we were going to a cold you know we, we knew we were entering well, a new era of war with russia and it's just a whole different thing but it's incredibly relevant, I think. And it's actually, if I'd have known it was about, you know, I'm trying to say if I would have known going into it, that it's, 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 it's less a Nolan film about J. Robert Oppenheimer and more about a biopic about J. Robert Oppenheimer and the moral implications of what he's creating and the absolute devastation it could cause. I would have been happier with them or I would have been less like surprised when it didn't end after the bomb was done. And wheeled out. I, I guess I'm trying to say, even though the movie's titled Oppenheimer, even though yes, because I mean it's yes, even though only because I mean I don't know why I was expected that 
maybe it's because I had to pee so bad I was hoping it was going to be over. <laughs> it was just, it was just, it was just blinded, your blinded by urine. <laughs> I I had to go so bad that I had to go like I was like Mike. You know how like you tap your leg or like you do this thing where like you're you're moving your leg to try to like stop it from having yep. to. The guy next to me tapped my arm and said, "I'll tell you what you missed." Okay. Because so. <laughs> I, I really had to go, but I well, don't. Well, it's a long movie though. Well. So like being long's okay. Well, yeah, no, yeah, that's fine. Well, I was I was gonna say earlier, like the, a real thought that I had at some point because I had I had to be so bad was was are they gonna do like an intermission thing where like no nope. we're, we're like you know it like, four hour movies get intermissions ah oh, is that is that, is that that's a, a real thing oh okay gotcha. yeah, Braveheart had one and I mean movies in the movies have had them that's when they had to change because the VHS tapes oh, so, okay gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> Change your reels, yeah, but that, I, I, there's a real thought in my head because I was desperately hoping that you know I wouldn't miss anything, but I just kept on peeing, so it's fine. Just peed in the theater. Just, I just, I just <laughs> stood up. I just stood up, turned around, and pissed right there. Sat back down. I looked everybody directly in the eyes. <laughs> I, did it. I want you people to know. <laughs> or you stood up and just peed into a bottle, and then just sat back. No, down. just pee into a circle. <laughs> just spin. This is my territory here. Don't come within this radius. <laughs> Hilarious. Like a fucking sprinkler. <laughs> amazing, amazing. But so let's get into the nitty and the gritty of what yeah. you guys liked and what you didn't like. Because again, there's a there is okay. you could I mean, honest to God, you could probably fill a, tw- a twelve hour podcast with Oppenheimer. So like that's I, not our thing, but there's a lot. Can to talk I go about. first here, please? Because no. I one thing that I am very happy that they didn't shy away from was his direct ties to the Communist Party, mm-hmm. um, because like that's a real big deal for anybody who is like knows about the the Oppenheimer story. Oh yeah, because like look, was J. Robert Oppenheimer a communist? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Maybe. However, well, that, I mean, look, <laughs> that's a hard maybe. Yeah, I know. because like look. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> All right. And look, that's not saying that necessarily at the time that that was a bad thing, and it wasn't an uncommon thing either. Um, and you know, I think they do a good job in this movie of explaining to him, explaining to you, the movie watcher, if you didn't know anything about that, about how he became involved yeah. with the Communist Party of America, and uh, uh, the fact that you know he never shies away from it. Like, hey, look. I, I represented a lot of things. I was trying to better myself by learning. And, you know, even to the point where he talks about donating to the Spanish Civil War yeah. to help those folks out because he believed in their cause, whether it was a communist driven thing or not. And that actually showed me that they were going to try to paint Oppenheimer in a real light instead of just a positive light. Okay, yeah. Because, like, look. There's, there are plenty of people who will straight up tell you that Robert J. Oppenheimer was and always will be a communist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's entirely true or not, and this movie kind of paints it ambiguous, and they don't ever shy away from that. And I was really surprised with that and happy that they made that decision. Mm-hmm. You know, again, and the other part of it is that I was surprised with is like, look, there will be a lot of people that will tell you not only was he a communist, he was kind of a shitty dude. Mm-hmm. Um he would totally be the guy at the office work party that would hit on your hit on your wife and Probably take home your wife. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are true stories. Oppenheimer was Dr. Steal your girl. Pretty much. <laughs> or at least banger behind your back. Like that sort of thing. Um, because like those are real stories about a real person and you know, they don't shy away from any of that in this story. So much the fact that they actually don't talk about some of the other affairs that like he's noted to have had, because like, look, 
his list was extensive. Well, like they they, they had like one call out to like. Well, they, they was... talk out the one that they said he's like, oh, they had a suspicion that, yeah. you know, or the husband knew. And he's like, he's like, he, he's he like, didn't know that, anything. That's ridiculous. He had no idea. No <laughs> idea. Right. Yeah. Because like, look, that's a true story. Yeah. And. <laughs> That's just interesting that they made sure they put all that in there. And I, I respect Christopher Nolan for doing it because, look, he wrote the movie. So I mean, I think he gets full credit for every good and bad thing with this. Movie. I think he leaned into the, you know, of like the person of telling the story of the person because the person was interesting enough to tell a story of. Sure. And I mean, I think he was right, you know, about you know his hunch because, I mean, it you, works. I saw the I saw the movie. I like the movie, so mm-hmm. it's one of those things. And like it, it's it's one thing to watch like you know like a shorter movie and walk away positive or negative. I think it's harder to walk away positive from a longer movie because there's there's more time for things to go wrong, more times for you to not agree. You got to be better. Yeah, more. Well, it, you got to be on point for a longer period of time. You know that survives your edits and your cuts and all that. So I think it's I think it's a it's a testament to how good it actually has to be to remain a positive note for people over the course of a three hour period. That's a that's big a deal. Long time. It's a long time. I think one of the key elements here is Christopher Nolan made it. So, oh, I mean, uh, there are I, look, everything having... he touches is not gold. It's true. Tenet wasn't great for multiple reasons. And then he's had other stuff earlier in his career that was kind of iffy at best for most people's lukewarm. Yeah. So, you know, it, you're, you're, you're not, you're not wrong about that. You're not, yeah, he's, not he's actually coming off what most people consider his worst movie. Which so like, let's talk about Christopher Nolan for a second, right? Uh, and I know we could talk talk about him for more than a second, but this this director has so much notoriety and has so much pull and is so well known. His movie list is not that long, right? No, you know what I mean. Like, so like as like whenever I look at his movie list, his list of movies, I haven't seen half of them, and the other half, you know, like. It's amazing that three out of his, what, like 19 films or something like that along those lines, three of them are Batman movies. You hold know what on, I mean? Hold on, and like, hold on. What, what, which ones have you seen? I, I mean, you want to talk about that now? I've seen yeah. Oppenheimer. Um, You've seen I've Tenet. Seen, You've seen I've Tenet. Seen Tenet. You've Dunkirk. seen Interstellar. No, I haven't seen Interstellar yet. You've seen Inception. I've seen Inception. I've seen Dark Knight movies. So you, you haven't you seen... seen Prestige? You should that, check that out. That's, I think, hold on. You guys have told me multiple times I need to I think, is not only one of Nolan's best movies. I think the Prestige is, since 2000, I think the Prestige is in the top 20 in the last 23 years of film. Yeah, I, I get you. I, I would imagine like, it, it's, it's got to be one of the best adaptions of all time. Yeah, um, yeah. Man, it, I don't think a movie could have been made any better than that. But also, I think if you get time, that in a movie I, I love is. Um, Insomnia, his 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 remake of Insomnia with Robin Williams and as the villain, mind you, Robin Williams is the villain and Al Pacino is the cop trying to catch him. Uh, just it's a brilliant it's a brilliant piece, man. You gotta those two uh, I think are next on your watch list. Quick story about Insomnia. That's the first ever movie I went to by myself, and it was completely an accident. What right. does that mean? I was well, so I was supposed to be involved in a double date. With uh, my buddy, his girlfriend, and a, another lady. And then there was a murder. Well, so... <laughs> no. Okay. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no one from my group died. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I had gotten a phone call to, hey, you know, we're going to go to this movie. You want to meet us out there? And I said, well, shit, that's in like 10 minutes. So I just left. And they're like, hey, we're going to, you know, we'll meet you in there. 
well, you were going to go get some food afterward, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, cool. So I was late to the party, obviously. Mm-hmm. Bought my own ticket, walked in, didn't see them immediately, but I wasn't going to be the guy going row to row to row. I sat yeah. through the whole movie and they weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so what's the, what's the conclusion of the story? Uh, that after I left the movie theater... I made a phone call because I had a, you know, a sweet Nokia brick phone at the time (laughs) and said, hey, man, you guys aren't here. They're like, no, we went somewhere else. And I was like, hey, what the fuck? (laughs) But, you know, that's an insight about, you know, early 2000s Rogers dating life. (laughs) (laughs) It was a bit of a deep dive. Insomnia was summer of 2002. Yep. So, I mean, that's a long time ago. That's 20 years ago. No, trust me. So I still remember that story, though. Yeah, I mean, it stuck with you. Core memory. Yeah, like, <laughs> Christ, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> but so, like, like, like to wrap up my point on like the whole, you know, how many movies he he's had, kind of thing. You know, like less it, than twenty. Well, he's it's like it's he listed at like seventeen or something. But then, like, you know, when you, comparing to like the great directors, you know, that like we think about, he like. Michael Bay has like 60 movies. Spielberg has like 60 films. Can we tone down the words great and Michael Bay I get together? It. I, so, I mean, listen. I mean, look, you can say famous. I'll give you famous. <laughs> okay. Right, I won't fair. give you great. Hold anyway, on, so one, two, three. Quentin four, Tarantino five, has seven, eight, nine, has 15. Like, has like 10. No, he has like 20 plus. This is, this is Oppenheimer is his 13th film. Less, yeah. So less than you even thought. Okay, gotcha. So, but again, I mean, I so I I I know where you're going with this, but yeah. I, but my original point was, Nolan films are an event, even even more so than like well, in the same way that like Spielberg films decades ago used to be like, oh no, we got to go watch that. Like I think Nolan sure. films have become that. I mean, Tenant threw the wrench in the you know I wasn't crazy about Dunkirk well, either. Ten, but... Tenant was supposed to be a big deal, right. and I would argue that he broke Tenant. Yeah. He Chris Nolan tenant and made it worse than what it was. <laughs> I remember. So a real quick side about that. And I will get back to Oppenheimer in a minute though, is I, I remember giving tenant a two and I think you gave it a one. Well, here's the thing is like the story of tenant is a cool idea. Like we graded tenant very low because like I couldn't hear half the dialogue. Yeah. But everyone like was saying that it wasn't just us. It was everyone no, was saying that was a re- I've he of, messed that movie up. I've seen a lot of people complain about the about his like the hard to hear dialogue in this film too. Mm-hmm. Well, so I think that's on purpose this time, yeah. Because there were some times where Oppenheimer would just mumble off to himself, like that's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think they wanted to make sure that that at least got a little bit represented gotcha. in this. You but, might be right. Yeah. Besides, there were some times, you know, the time frame that we're talking about, like you couldn't step up to a podium and just speak directly into a microphone. Yeah, because sure. they weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's something important to remember here. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Grayson. No, we, so I mean, getting getting back to Oppenheimer though, it is. So this is his thirteenth movie though, and it's again, it's one of those movies that I think. So I'm right here, split in the middle, and I think the evidence is is within the DNA here of Oppenheimer is. I think Nolan, you know, I mean, you brought up Bay, Chris, you know, you know, in 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 a, in a funny light, but I think Nolan, like 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 a director like Bay, has become kind of in love with his own persona his own legend here and i think we got the version we got of oppenheimer because i think people are just too afraid to tell chris nolan no and i think that he thinks he's 
a better filmmaker than he is. And now caveat, if you're screaming into your car right now, I get it. But the, I mean, he hasn't always hit home runs. See, to me, you're describing James Cameron. Uh, I would say the best of James. I mean, it's kind Cameron. of the same. I would. Oh, okay. Well, fine. Concept, yeah, you're right. James Cameron. But I think for directors, big, especially directors that constantly make the, the top end for like the budget of the time, like 100 million, 200 million, that's a tough thing to always just nail it right. But the, yeah. best, the best of Nolan is fantastic. The best of So him. is the best of James Cameron. Well, yeah, yeah, the best of Cameron's fantastic. I would even say the best of Bay's fantastic if you like The Rock. That's that's an action movie that that's got to be in the, the top original Bad of Boys is an incredible movie. Yeah, so those two, too. those two. No, no, no don't no. do that. I love Bad turn, Boys. Too. Turn, I mean, look, <laughs> that's okay, but you also know that you're fucking wrong. <laughs> I mean, you gotta turn his mic off. Please turn his mic off. Please turn his mic off. <laughs> Five minutes. Five minutes. Listen, that's that's Listen, a within fair... the first ten minutes of a movie, a man gets shot in the ass, and the joke never stops. The that's, whole movie. That's perfect. Yeah, I I remember the the, the KKK <laughs> scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway. anyway so yeah. like, I, I get what you're saying, and I I think I, I don't I don't think he's high on his own shit. I don't think that's the case because like the way you're talking, you're implying that the movie isn't isn't you know an eight nine or a ten. You know, with no, no. Like I think it is. I, I well, with it Oppenheimer, it is. It is. It with definitely Tenet, is. Though, and Tenant to me will be his greatest failure until he breaks something else like that. Yeah, yeah. I get you. Because the story behind Tenant is a very interesting concept, right? Yeah. We'd never really seen anything like that before. I remember watching the trailer for Tenant when like the bullets are coming backwards and the cars, you know, not yeah. flipping over. Like that was awesome. <laughs> and then what we got, it's like he broke his own movie because he tried to be like, our sound is incredible. Your theaters have to be optimized to do this. Bro, I'm going to watch this in a fucking movie theater in St. Clairsville, Ohio that hasn't serviced their fucking <laughs> stereo in 27 years. <laughs> like, that's on you, brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 2005. That's your problem. 2005 was the last time they got upgraded. 2005. Jesus. So it's 17 years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just, I don't know. I think the conversation of, like, you know, of what else he's made that isn't as good as this, you know, or, or is even better than this. I think it, I think it has its place, but I think that's more of like, like a dictator, like a a directorial deep dive kind of thing. Whereas like, I think that it's impressive the amount of people that want to work with this guy for the, for such little movies he's put out. The people, the cast that he can assemble with people that like to work with him. Cause apparently working with Chris Nolan is pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Like, and Grayson can attest to that. Like he treats people pretty well. Is that correct? Grayson? Yeah, he, he treats them like royalty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 well, listen, that that's an important thing, yeah. especially for actors, mm-hmm. you know, cause like, look, if there's, if there's somebody who loves their own shit more than a director, it's Christ, an it's an actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, see, I, I'm surprised. I, so I'm, I'm just real quick. I'm surprised there was no Morgan Freeman, no Michael Caine, no Christian Bale in this. Listen, this movie screams. We needed Michael Caine in it, by the way. Michael Absolutely. Caine, yes. I think that it would be hard to find a, a Morgan Freeman character to play in this back in the 1940s. Okay. Fair point. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I will amend Michael my original, Caine for sure. I will amend my original statement too. I'm surprised we didn't got we did not get Michael Caine in this and or Bale. I, I really think Bale would have fit in any. Bale I could have seen look, in this movie. Maybe Bale, they didn't. Yeah. Maybe they didn't want to. But it's not like Caine hasn't done this before. I mean, in in the and he was the guy in Inception that was always like you know 
be careful of what you're doing because you get down there, you mess with shit. That's it. We're done. Like you don't come back from that. And again, mm. and he played a physicist in Interstellar, so it's not like it would have been out of place for Kane yeah, to play yeah. the character again. Yeah, but so like, there's two things there. I think that a director, a good director, has to consider is you know how how often do you play someone in, in your movies more often, and you don't become like an Adam Sandler kind of deal, where like hmm. you know you can expect to see this guy playing this role in this movie, haha, kind of thing. You know, whereas, you know, it, it, you start to lose respect for, I think, the craft a little bit when you start just pulling people in because you pulled them in before. Oh, fair, fair. I, but... You know, and, and you know, furthermore on that point, I think that, you know, Christopher Nolan really does want the the person, the actor playing the part to fit the character that he's telling the That's story. That's true. Of. He doesn't try to shoehorn and people into some something. Some people just probably didn't fit that bill, you know, and I think also on the Christian Bale comment, I don't. Isn't it like isn't like a rumor where like Christian Bale doesn't like sharing the spotlight that often or like in, in a big way? There's no room for him here unless he's like a guy like Strauss, right? Where like everyone else is very much a side character in this movie, and it's you know a lot. Some some people come into this movie and only have like three or four lines. True, but, like you know they're big actors and actresses. Yeah, so. there's a couple of really famous people that have like five minutes or less of screen. Yeah, time. I think Truman, for example, in this, he's he's one, Gary Oldman. He's one, yeah, he's one scene. You know what I mean? Basically, calls him Oppenheimer a pussy and kicks him out yeah. of his don't office. Let, yeah, but don't but, let but, that crybaby back in here. Yeah, yeah. but like, anybody could have played that guy. Sure, you know what I mean. But like you know, you get a guy like Gary Oldman to come in and do it. You well, know I mean, really look sh- like. Well, him, by the way, I'm sure it's res- <laughs> I'm sure it's a respect thing for Oldman and well, yeah. Kane. Or, um, no, yeah, I mean Mullen. they've worked together several times. Yeah. So it's it's, it's, it's uh, I guess what I'm saying is it's like it's it's you know the people that he brings in probably make sense in his brain in his in his head too because again like while while he has people he obviously likes to work with more than others and people that want to work with him he. he I, I, he's diving in this movie like Oppenheimer dove into the atom bomb, right? Like this is his, yep. and he's gonna make this thing, and he wants it to be great. You know, not a single director makes something that doesn't want it to be good. But no. let's let's get one thing. It is great. That's not. I mean, that's what I'm no, trying to say yeah. here about with the whole yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of gets no, into his own mind. But a question we always we always ask. We're not always, but we very often ask on the show is, especially with a movie that's a, a few minutes over three hours, is did it need to be three hours long? See, this is where we're going to differ, right? Because I think its runtime is just fine. So I'm going to surprise you mm-hmm. and say I was kind of okay with it being this long. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing, because we already alluded to it at least once. The part where the atom bombs get completed is the two-thirds <laughs> mark of this movie. That was a surprise for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, not that I'm saying what came after it wasn't important to the film, because it is very important to mm-hmm. the movie. But I was just surprised that that's the chain of events that led us to the. Here's the thing: I bet you're going to be able to go online on Reddit when this movie comes out, like for streaming or home. Don't ask or their opinions on anything. Well, no, no, it's not that. <laughs> you're going to be able to find like like the perfect Oppenheimer short ending, where like they're going to give you the exact like timestamp to where once your movie hits that point, just shut it off and walk away, and it, and it, it's a full story about the atom bomb. We're like, there's a, true. Certain, there's a certain point where, where, where you're going to get to where you could just turn this film off and you still get the experience. From, from the 41 minute mark to the two hour and one minute mark, if you just watch that, it's just about the just creation, about of, the the creation of the atom bomb. <laughs> and it'll be a perfect film, I bet. Still. 88 minutes of just the <laughs> atom bomb. <laughs> or just its creation. Yeah. And it has just enough information to where you can ride the whole thing through. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about a character for a second, and it's not a character that I thought I would have to talk about too much, but it's heavily involved in this movie far more than I thought. I want to talk about Matt Damon for a second yeah. here, okay? Okay. So 
I didn't, you know, I, I know like you guys, I didn't know Matt Damon was in this movie until the second Oppenheimer trailer. Yep. Right. When suddenly, hey, that dude with a mustache is Matt Damon. <laughs> is that Matt so, Damon? <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> he is very prominent in this role. Yeah. And as far as I know, it's the first time that he's worked directly with Nolan. Okay. I thought Matt Damon, I thought he killed it in this movie. Oh, 100%. Oh, he's fucking great. Yeah, he's he's in this movie for 120 minutes. <laughs> yeah, he's in for, he's he's got it. He's got to have the second most amount of screen time, right? Maybe maybe third behind Strauss. I was, was going to say Strauss. Oh, no. Strauss, definitely. Maybe, no, nah, Blunt doesn't have as much. No. No, Blunt doesn't have as much. It's got to be him, right? He's got to be I, number two. I think he is, actually, with the amount of time. No, because when he's on screen, it's very short. Uh, Strauss Downey Jr. has has a lot of longer. He has longer scenes okay. there. Okay, he has that dialogue with with with, with the aides back and forth. Okay. A, a, good, a good amount of time. Okay, and, so and he has the dinner scenes, which okay. do take a long time. Okay, so he's got let's call it the third most well, still, of time, yeah. right? a significant amount in this movie, and you know I think that he kind of outguns Cillian Murphy in a couple of these scenes because oh. I I mean his character is meant to be that it's, way. It's goddamn Matt Damon. Yeah, and. <laughs> Like, I, I, I thought it was awesome. So. I thought he was a great addition to this movie in the role that he plays, you know, like the haggard general, basically. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, they're making me a general after this. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. That sort of stuff. So well, I, I really appreciated his addition to it in the way that he, you know, obviously there's very little that Matt Damon is actually bad in. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, him working well, I think it was a testament to like, hey, this this really works pretty well. Well, I like I like his exit from like the 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 actual like flashback part of the stories with this, where they're talking outside about, you know, when they're, pu- when they're carting the, uh, the atom bombs away and Oppenheimer asks him, he's a, uh, he asked him, you know, Hey, you know, let me know. Can you let me know, you know, you know, when, when they're going to drop these. And he's like, he's like, sure, man, I'll tell you. And then he like puts his arm on his shoulder. If I can. <laughs> and then that's it. Like, it's like, huh? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, bro. Yep. And his part in that part of the story is done. I mean, he's in the trial scenes or the the interview scenes. The interview, it yep. is, yeah, the interview. So, but like after that, he, like that's it. Like th- that was the government, the army was done with him, so they they let him go, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it, it, it was it was I like the way that like he exits because they're so integral to each other for so long, and then all and of a sudden he's just not. like, "Thanks, bro." Yeah. <laughs> that he takes he takes the toy you made. Ah, uh, I'll see you later. Yeah. Probably not, but <laughs> yeah, uh, give me a call sometime. It's like, you know, when you go to summer camp and you make like best friends with some dude yep. for like six days and then you'd like, again. hey, man, you call me. Yeah. Yeah, dude, we'll get together sometime. And then fucking never again. That never bro. happens. Never again. I let that guy borrow my Ninja Turtle fighting game. It's gone. Yeah. That shit is never <laughs> coming back. Gone like the wind, brother. Gone. Never coming back. Another long movie. But like it, it's the Ninja I, Turtle fighting game. No, Gone with the <laughs> Wind. Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Oh, he's being okay. Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, he's being facetious. Um, I would never. No, there are so many things you can go over in a three-hour movie, especially in a three-hour movie that's good. It's going to be hard to cover everything in what we do here on the podcast. There are so many good roles in this, long ones and short ones. The depiction of of Oppenheimer by Killian Murphy is phenomenal. He's he has to be good in every scene because the movie is basically him the whole time. Yep, and. A lot of things that's done in this movie are done so well and so differently. Like I don't know. I know there's that rumor or like that that com- that confirmation that there is like there are no CGI shots in this. Only things done in like post. But like and even that's just cleanup stuff. But 
how they got some of the shots of like the atoms moving early on mm-hmm. and how, like how they did that, like like how they did that effect without actual CGI and spliced it into where it looks seamless. I think all of that was so neat to see on screen. The sound was so on point with this film all the way through sound plays a big part in this movie because of the way he hears and perceives the world. Yep. And to see all that kind of breaking down for him, how like, you know, like as a physicist, he sees the world differently. He sees it in energy, like moving parts. Exactly. He he sees the energy of the world. So just seeing the world around him, which I think is just such a neat depiction, but there's so much stuff in this film. It's hard to go over it all and give it all the credence it deserves. I think that there are so many standout performance. Emily Blunt, when she in the second half of this film is I think on fire, she doesn't get a lot to do in the first half of of her being around. And it's kind of a lead into her character anyway, as you know, as his wife, but man, when she gets interviewed by the prosecutor guy, dude, she's a goddamn pit viper, dude. She's <laughs> she's taking him to task. And I think that was really cool to see, and she's pissed at him the whole at at, at Oppenheimer the whole time that he isn't fighting back. So much as that when when she if she gets her turn, she fights back. She she leans into that. So did um, one thing I do want to bring up. I would talk about Blunt and Silly Murphy. They're two characters with uh, Robert and what's his wife's name in the movie. I don't know. It's like an Kitty. Asshole. Kitty. So when they're talking about his affair with Gene Tatlock. Uh, Florence, In the interview process? Florence, yeah. Florence yeah. Pugh's character, right? That, that's a big scene that people are giving like a big negative to if they have a complaint. Whatever. Um, why? why are they giving Why are they complaining they say, about it? They're saying it's it was gratuitous and unnecessary. Well, I they for Oppenheimer, for the European release, they they took out the gratuitous part. We're the only that's country that got the we're the only country that got the the topless shot. Yeah. Well, um, we're talking about in the interview room, though, not in not in. Oh, the, okay, in the okay. Bedroom. Copy, copy. Okay. Um, but the one thing that I wanted to bring up is when he is when they're talking immediately after, and she was like, "Christ, she had to lay out her whole thing," and he he doesn't even hesitate. He's like, "You already knew about these, all this. These are all things that we've talked. These about are before. all things we've talked about before." He doesn't. He's not emotional. He doesn't apologize. He's just like, "You knew all of this." And now it's just on the record. It just is what it is. And the way that I think that shows Oppenheimer as the person that he is as calculating Mm -hmm. is like, look, this wasn't an emotional thing. I just, they asked the question. I answered the question. Yeah. Yeah. And my, I have to answer these questions as truthfully as possible. Well, it it shows the contrast between like, between like, like not only like him and her, but like man and woman. Right. Cause like, you know, women are 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 going to be more emotional and they they react you know they react with emotions he is ju- he's just answering questions these are the facts these are things that are already known that, that yep. kind of thing she's upset that it's on the personal that it's now on public record which yep. makes a lot of sense and i get that but i think he's he, you know, like like in that scene it's he's trying to, to see the bigger picture well it's meant to show how uncomfortable he is right mm-hmm. how exposed he feels cuz like that's why he's naked in in that room at that scene at that point where like it's showing how uncomfortable he is and the only way for him to, to, for I think, for him to come back from that in his brain is to just say, you know, this, these are all, these are all things that are already known. They're, I'm just saying them out loud now for everyone to hear instead of just, yeah, just instead my wife. of just us. Yep. Yeah. So it, it it's a neat depiction in a very small scene of like, you know, what people are going through. And I, I didn't know, at, I didn't know at first. I thought the person on the couch behind him was not actually there. Oh, I, yeah. thought, I thought it was in his head because. 
which is also interesting. I'll, I'll go back to that in a second. But like, I thought maybe like 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 that woman wasn't there, and he was just thinking about her because he talked about his first about his wife. And like, I thought maybe it was just like you know it was a part of his his thought process. So she was now in the room with him in his brain. I could see that, but 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 we learned that isn't the case. Obviously, no, they're but, definitely there. But like, I think it also is because of there are so many big actors and actresses in this that you can't give them the time and the shots that like, that like their, like their fame kind of calls for. Sure. You know, you're looking at Oppenheimer, you're looking at, at, at uh, Cillian Murphy and you have Emily Blunt, a huge actress, literally just a side character in the shot. Yep. And there's <laughs> no focus on her whatsoever, but like this happens a lot in this movie to, uh, you know, to whoever is important at that time, they get, they get the screen. And I think that also pays into a movie, not feeling cheap. And not like you know, just putting things out there to to just to to get points across, or to you know, look who's in our film. You know, it, it's yeah. no, this is important. So I think Nolan does a very good job of saying, "Hey, pay attention to this. Now, pay attention to this. This is like, it, the importance of every scene. You can feel it because it never once kind of like shows you something just to show you. Yeah, it all seems very you know Ill, you know deliberate and elaborate for good reasons. Well, he's a director who does he does that on purpose anyway. From even yeah. from his earliest days with Doodlebug and the following, um, he did that. He's always been very good at doing what you just said. So, I mean, I'm I have a feeling it's why he got so big so fast because he yeah. He understands the basic craft of how to tell a story, where to point the camera, and, and which edit to use. And I think that's important that a lot of directors just never, I don't think they ever learn that part without without a good editor at their side. So, yeah. what, did you guys, what did you guys think about the black and white uh, post of the color? So, uh, I actually enjoyed it. And when you realize that they're telling two different time frames of the story, like it, it's far more important, especially when you see the same scene mm-hmm. again in black and white or again in color. Well, uh, and the perspective that it's showing. Yeah, it, it's not. It's, it's not so much the time. But it it's not so much like present and like in past. It's it it's perspective. It's whenever we're with Strauss, it's black and white. Yep. Whenever it's with Oppenheimer, uh, anybody else, basically yeah. Oppenheimer, it's in it's in everything. Color, Strauss is black and white, which I thought was from very, his directly from his perspective, which is also I think interesting because I feel like that like that's also telling you the way that that character is thinking. Mm-hmm. He thinks very in front of his face. He thinks very you know black and white. You know things are this way because of this and then he leans into that which is actually one of the things that brings him down which is funny because the same things that gets in Oppenheimer's way is you know are the things that also make him you know the person that he is like giving into like to like his temptations and things like that or is a part of the way his brain works excuse me which is you know Strauss the way he thinks is actually is what his undoing is where he thinks so narrowly and so like so like in the moment about himself and like the things that have been wrong with him or wronged on him uh-huh. they thinks it has to be about him and that's what ends up you know being a big problem which i just thought was a cool slow like 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 reveal to us because like we think he's he's like not a bad dude at first and they show you about halfway through you know or a little bit later that you know that he's the guy that's trying like, he's burying Oppenheim. he's trying to bring him down yeah mm-hmm. and it was all just over to some petty little thing, which is kind of amazing too. Turns out that nobody wins. Well, <laughs> true, but like I think it, it, it's also a part of the overarching story of this movie is every every action has a reaction, which sure. is exactly what goes into the whole atom bomb atom thing bomb. too. Where like everything it's physics one hundred and one, so like every action you know has a reaction. And that's exactly what happens throughout this whole film, too, both for the good and the bad people were for people were against, which is just an interesting concept that there's so many things almost like layered on top of itself, big and small. 
another reason why I like this movie. Well, one of the things, and this is purely on Nolan, is to be able to tell two differing sides of a story and put it together fairly seamlessly. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, look, there's not a lot of people that can do it. And obviously, he is more than qualified to make this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And the way that those two stories weave together, because, like, look, it unfolds in multiple layers. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't see exactly what's coming of how everything is presented to you right off the bat. Now, look, he doesn't hide anything. He just doesn't present it to you all in one time. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that because, like, there's no, like, ha ha, you know, like, yeah. surprise. There's no, I was smarter than you. Yeah. No, yeah, no so it, it all, it all plays out in, you know, basically real time in the movie. And I, I appreciate that because being able to tell that perspective with two very good actors behind the scene with Silly Murphy and Robert Dungey, because, like, look, the other person we haven't talked about too much say, is yeah. RDJ. Okay. I think we forget how good he is. Well, like how good he actually can. Look, how, how many people do you think watched this movie and didn't realize that was Robert Downey Jr.? I don't know. At that, this point, probably not very many. That'd be that'd be tough to not think that that's him. But you know, most people only see him now as Iron Man. Iron Man. Yeah. And look, look, I understand. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is a very good to great actor. Yeah. Okay, he's, he's very versatile, and the role that he plays in this movie, he does it so well. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Oh yeah, me too. He's actually one of my favorite characters. Like that, that like not like I like this guy kind of way like the person that he was, but like the ride we go on with his character mm-hmm. is probably the most interesting because it's the one that has the most changes because you start out thinking he's like he's he's a a good guy, quote unquote, and then like we go up that hill all the way to the very top and it's like, "Oh, no. you're an asshole. Bye. You're a really big piece of shit." kind of thing. <laughs> I think it's 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 a very interesting thing to see play out for that character on screen, to where it's obvious it's like a part of the big reveal of something at the end of the movie, which I also was very interested to hear. And you're right though, like he's 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 really good. Yeah, he's so good. So next year when we get Ryan Gosling versus Robert Downey Jr. for Best Supporting Actor, who, <laughs> who are you going to side with? Ah. <sighs> Jesus, man. I'm biased on that because because I like one movie more than the other in a big way. Yeah. So it, it's it's hard. It's about the horses, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he he likes. He's gonna vote for RDJ, but hey, he, he knows he didn't he didn't say that. It's true. You said um, that. I'm I'm, I'm I don't know, but Ken. <laughs> also, I like beat to... you off. <laughs> I'll beat you all off, Beach. <laughs> yeah. How are we talking about Barbie in our in our behind review? I told you this I know. was coming. <laughs> It's Barbenheimer, dude. Get rid, you know, get hold of it. I hate. I hate that it's. I so hate, I, I hate that it's. Okay, can, can, we, can we talk about that for thirty yeah. seconds? Right, it was like you know because we did talk about this during Barbie, um, and it's something I haven't brought up. So I think Oppenheimer has absolutely benefited from Barbie and the whole Barbenheimer thing. And like, look, that name is fucking stupid. Sure, fine, whatever. But because people were like, hey, this is kind of a big deal. There are two gigantic movies that came out on the same weekend for the first time in God knows how long. Yeah. Okay. Like, look, that's that's a big deal. I think money wise, because like Oppenheimer is an R rated movie. So it's hard for R rated movies to make a ton of money in comparison to any other Mm -hmm. thing. For them to be able to still after, you know, basically 10 days, still be riding a big old number. It's going to it's crossed four hundred million dollars already, which is excellent for one a three-hour movie and mm-hmm. two a three-hour rated r movie yep. <laughs> to be able to do that that's a that's a big deal and they owe a little bit about that to barbie mm-hmm. and the the point that i want to make is is something that i always thought was very cool about them because i actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show is when they ask 
like Killian Mur- or Silly Murphy if they asked what he thought about going up against Barbie. And he said, I hope Barbie's great. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. So when they asked Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie about going against Albuquerque, they say, I hope it's great. I, I can't, can't wait, wait to go see, see it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, legitimately, they can be like, they could have just been like, oh, we don't care about that. Because like, they probably don't. Yeah. yeah. Listen, they may be 100% serious and be like, hey, I want to see Albuquerque because you know, they, they were all might, but I think it's cool that they kind of like, Hey, they understand. Everybody understands that this is kind of like the coup de gras for cinema right now. Right. Mm-hmm. This is going, this is your biggest weekend, your two biggest weekends in movie time and forever, like legitimately since pre COVID you have the two yeah. largest movies. And like, that's not even an exaggeration. Legitimately, there's been more money generated from these two movies together than any other two weeks combined okay that's incredible yeah and if this leads us back to what hey you know pack movie theaters listen i'll be sad in my heart yeah yeah <laughs> because yeah. listen i like watching movies by myself but true it's good for the industry right it is. and especially right now yeah because like look if both of these movies sucked what a fucking letdown that yeah. would have been. Well, that, I mean uh, but then you're talking about a greta gerig movie sucking and a christopher nolan movie sucking which together on the same release date yeah that, that would have been historic and terrible for the industry and it would have well it would not it's have not outside the realm of possibilities is the only thing and uh, it uh, could have happened yeah and it i could have been tenant up there yeah exactly yeah but the only reason tenant was the only reason people had a major problem with tenant was because of the sound quality if the hey, sound quality well, had been that's on a car, big fucking problem no, i understand yeah, that I mean, but if like if the sound quality had been what it should have been then i mean we were looking at a somewhere between a seven and an eight that's a huge Maybe. swing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I couldn't I, understand the movie well enough to know what I was looking at because I couldn't understand the dialogue. But I mean, that's yeah, it's a tough call, though. But you're right. It's certainly within the realm of could have happened. They're both not so great. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think that that's a big deal. And they, they both benefited. And I think legitimately Oppenheimer benefits more because, you know, we, we make the we talk about rewatchability every now and then. We don't really rate it you know like hey how rewatchable is this movie the thing with Oppenheimer is Oppenheimer is a very good to great movie okay it, like legitimately it's going to get all kinds of acclaim and it deserves it all right I may never watch Oppenheimer again and I, I'm not I'm not trying to be facetious or like make a joke about it it's long it's not super fun it's kind of depressing but <laughs> it's very good it is very good and another movie I talk about in that perspective is Mudbound on Netflix. Yep. Mudbound, Mudbound is an incredible movie. Dude, that movie is brutal. Yeah, but so absolutely like, brutal. Oppenheimer isn't brutal in that sense. It's not super depressing in that. But it's in that kind of soul sucking. It is. I think I think the problem with Oppenheimer is that and there and this is a problem if you like in the grand scheme of how good is it. It is that you have to, like you have to be paying attention for three. You have to be engaged with this movie the really, entire time. It's you awesome. really do. That Chris, is true. What you're saying is it, absolutely this is true. Not a, this is not a lazy watch. Well, like I, I am, I'm not kidding. When I came home from watching this in the evening, like I got home and like my wife asked me if I was okay because like I had brain fog real bad afterwards because like it was just it's a lot to take in, it's a lot to think about, and it's like you know I was like it, it's a long time to be engaged in something and like have the brain space for it, so. It, it does feel like it's hard to kind of be engaged with something like that, you know. And didn't you say you peed three times? Also, 
I did pee three times. So you had to yes. leave the theater. But you if you're a bladder infection, no. If you're wait, so you're in eleven. You so some cranberry juice. No, the, I was in theater nine, which oh, is nine. That, that little private bathroom right next to. Oh the right, so the clean nine. one. Yeah. No, it's it's very often not clean, but. Um, <laughs> well, the sink is defiled because I peed in it. <laughs> but so you missed none of that is true. You probably missed a combined four, three to four minutes too, maybe, which is important. I mean, that's so second maybe. viewing will be good for you if you, when you take your wife though, because I mean, how you, dare you miss zero point five percent of this film? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's but it's a big deal. I and mean, peeing has always been one of those questions in a movie theater. Like, how do you solve that problem? I told like, you that's with a the sprinkler. That's a weird qu- question to ask out of context. Peeing has always been a problem. Well, no, I'm talking about in a movie. Is like, <laughs> no, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's true though because what Grayson's alluding to because legitimately at home, if you're watching a three hour movie, just pause it. Pause you can it. just hit the pause button. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And be like, hey, I'm going to go pee. Mm-hmm. I'm going to grab myself a drink again that, and head back to my couch. That's when me and my wife will watch this film. You, you can't, you can't like reach your hand up and be like, hey, guy in the booth, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. I gotta go. I gotta go pee. I'm out. I'm out. This is the first official three-hour movie I've watched in theaters since Endgame. By the way. Oh geez. Okay. It's, it's not. There are very rarely movies that touch the three-hour mark. Now, listen, there are several that have. They are. They are creeping up again. Yeah. I mean, John Wick was a prime example because I got all the yeah. way to 245. Yeah. Um, it was a long movie for an action. Film. It, it was. Now listen, there's a lot of action. I had to pee multiple times in that movie too. <laughs> um. That's just my advanced age at this yeah, point. Yeah, I was going to say, it's more of an age problem than it is. Um, but, like, that's one of the things that, why three hours is kind of like the, the, the cut, cut the cutoff people, line. Yeah. When Because you, you, when you go above that, and especially if you go to, like, you start touching, like, 330, mm-hmm. you can't run that movie more than twice or three times in a day. Yep. Unless, you unless, you juggle ha- unless you juggle houses back and forth, you know, or, or auditoriums back and forth. Which is a lot easier to do now in the digital yeah, age, yeah, but, but still, still, yeah, for, it's a for, lot. Of course, of course, you know, you're 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 right. You're right. You're absolutely right about that. So but, let me ask yeah. you guys the next piece of this. Sure. What do you think of the bomb? Like when they actually like like, what do you think of the how they depicted them figuring out how to do it, the city they lived in, the town they lived in, and then it actually happening? Well, like, I, I I am really I am really glad that they didn't go too much into the science. And they're just kind of more. Because like, that would have got really boring yeah, real quick. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is like I'm kind of glad they didn't do that, and they just kind of left it to like the the other parts, the other part of the drama rather than the science. But I mean, I kind of understood what was going on the whole time. Even it never got too sciencey. But no, I actually really enjoyed, especially like the delayed, like the like the massive sound. Yeah, I, how I they really, suck the yeah, how they suck the sound out of out of the film. I love then, when it knocks the guy down the ledge. Oh, yeah. Be like, what were you doing, dumb dumb? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, oh man, I would, I, I guess I've, I was getting more excited because I'd never, I, outside of like old footage from World War II, I've never. You think they actually built a bomb? No, no, stop it. I just mean like. Just asking. It doesn't, like I don't, aside from like Bikini Atoll and Nagasaki and Hiroshima, I, I've in like old footage, I've not really seen one of these things in action. I was kind of excited to see how Nolan was going to show us this. Yeah, yeah. And we got it in like a weird, in like a, a. A, a toned down test version of, but even toned down test version was still pretty, pretty devastating. They were far yeah. away from that thing, and it. Oh yeah. The delay Did in they the say sound. Who won the bet for the how many kilotons or megatons it was? <laughs> I don't remember. No. I, I listen. So, I went to this movie with my wife, and uh, we actually with my buddy and his wife as well. Yeah. Um, first time we've done that in a long time. Um, 
but it's funny he leans over to me and like because we were like kind of chuckling during like the betting thing yeah, yeah because i was like that's just dudes doing dude things like yeah. they might all be dead <laughs> from this bomb and he's like dude yeah. i got two to one that's 20 megatons well uh, <laughs> yeah and i'm just like yeah dude i get it yeah well, like, <laughs> yeah let's ride this on they baby. were doing like the the like the the kicker bet on if it ends the fucking world yeah. <laughs> it was like eh, that's funny because <laughs> that is dudes doing you well, know dude see, stuff uh, how they do how they approach that too with uh matt damon and cillian murphy when he's like matt damon's like okay i need to know are we talking there's any real threat of a world-ending catastrophe he's like well it's near near zero. Near zero. It's near zero. And we saw that in the trailer and so it wasn't yeah. quite as funny because it hadn't we've seen it several times however one thing I did love, and and might actually be the, my favorite aspect of this movie, uh, in in a movie with uh, so many good things to talk about, is the Albert Einstein that we see it from so many different angles over and mm-hmm. over again. And like, I was so excited when we actually returned to that conversation about. Remember when he walks to the lake and he drops his hat and he picks it up, mm-hmm. and yeah. then when he when when Einstein again, one of the most brilliant minds in the last hundred years in America, and I mean he helped usher in a new scientific generation is you know when he's when they're talking about well einstein's really kind of helping him hone his own thoughts and when he's looking out over the river and he's throwing the rocks in like the the the, the thing with the rocks is like you know they they create the ripples which then go out and out and out like one rock is like a massive like a butterfly wing thing and it's Mm -hmm. they're talking about how well we didn't destroy the world and then it ends with oppenheimer saying i think we did yeah, yeah. I We're think just, I just, think we did. We just it's not there yet, but we've definitely from a different started. perspective. Yeah, yeah, it's I thought that was just I mean, you want to talk about something that's masterfully done in this movie. I thought using that to return to outside of using Emily Blunt and um Florence Pugh to show the different sides of two very different sides of um Oppenheimer, I thought that was one of the more exciting things for me was that conversation, how we saw it from Strauss's point of view, we saw it from our point of view. And then we saw it from um, Oppenheimer's point of view and Albert Einstein's point of view, like where the conversation was pertinent and why it was so pertinent. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, to me that that was, and I knew I've said in my hand like Chris loved this. I know he loved mm-hmm. this. Yep. So, and I mean, and the, the the whole thing with you know the whole analogy with Prometheus and how he's been tortured for eternity because he stole fire from the gods and gave it to mm-hmm. humans is like that's kind of the same thing as like setting him up to be Prometheus and like he stole the he stole the secret. And he gave it to the world, but the world's not going to do anything good with it. Only yeah. bad. And I, th- I love that whole parallel. It's great. Well, uh, I think my my one of favorite lines in the movie was when Einstein uh, handed uh, handed him back the notes and said and, and said said I uh, said to him, you know, this belongs to you, not to me. Mm-hmm. Like how he, he was very clear, like, like I don't want anything. Like, nope, you know, this is your thing. Yep, this is this has nothing to do with me. Here you go. Well, that's like, I won't have my that hands was, on this at all. That was a callback to earlier when. Someone was praising Einstein, and Oppenheimer says oh, his time was forty years ago. Yeah, he had relativity in like nineteen to nineteen ten. Mm-hmm. He presented the world with this radical new theory that advanced science thinking. That was his time. But like then the line it that I, goes back to yeah. that the whole thing is he's passing over the notes because like Einstein knows this is this is bad news bears. Nothing oh, yeah. good can come of this. He's like I, he's like I respect this as a fellow scientist, but this is you, man. Yep. <laughs> this is you. Well, like. Another line that I really liked that uh, was more on the comedic side was when he asked, the, like, when they're putting the, the the team together at the at the town they made, and um, 
the one the one guy comes up and introduces himself, and Oppenheimer immediately asks him how long how long have you been British? Oh yeah, the German guy. Yeah, yeah, and he and he said, you know, since Hit, uh, ever since Hitler told me that I wasn't German. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that. Yeah, that was funny. yeah. Hitler called it Jew science. The yeah, the, what the hydrogen uh, program? Mm-hmm. He could yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't. I mean, that's a term they use in the film. Sorry, I don't mean to be derogatory, but um, yeah, that's interesting. I never knew that part of it too. Have like, can you imagine just just take a little sidestep here, like in how different the world would have shaped had Germany used their resources a little differently and acknowledged what they had among the military among the military scientific minds that they completely yeah i mean they they squandered i mean they already had a significant lead in rocketry they could have done so much more i mean it's it's incredible to me like that that's why that whole time like world war ii is so fascinating like all the dominoes fell the wrong way for the allies to win and it almost didn't happen like that yeah i mean not all the dominoes fell wrong i mean they they still germany still out teched us we just outbodied them for real no you're you're right and I, and I like how we got some of that in this movie too how like we stole their minds and like Germany did a, a good job of pushing those minds out anyway so we got a hold of them and I love the one character I want to talk about is the Kenneth Branagh character too mm-hmm. um, even though it was it was a very small role but it was so impactful I forget who even played I forget the guy's name uh, but I loved when I, when I saw Kenneth Branagh oh he played Niels Bohr huge huge yeah mind behind this whole thing too of like how um oppenheimer got the ideas he got to make this bomb like I very respectfully didn't downplay any of the important minds here but gave them all their due all their due shot but kept in mind also in the frame of the movie that this is an oppenheimer movie it's not a yeah, niels Bohr yeah. movie you know but i mean i mean there's you guys say this roger you say this is this isn't a 10 but i don't know if it's much worse than that <laughs> Is what I'm saying. I mean, but, don't give out tens too often. No, you're you're right. But what else you guys want to talk perfection about? Perfection in my eyes. Um, I don't know. I think we've covered a lot here. I mean, I, like I said earlier, with talking about this, this is such a long movie with so many movie, like good things in it that it's hard to talk about in the context that we talk about stuff. Well, right? Can I can I pose a question? To that is yeah. there anything that you guys didn't like about this besides the runtime? Uh, I didn't dislike the runtime. I need to be very clear about that. No, the run, the runtime. I'm actually, and I know, like normally, I'm a guy that bitches about movies being too long. Besides the fact that I also had to pee a couple times yeah, in this yeah. movie, um, I didn't mind it being three hours because, like, the story fits in a three-hour window. It's not like they took a movie that should have been two hours and like, like we need up. to, yeah, we need to inflate this to make it hit three hours. I don't feel like they did that here. Can you imagine, we, think... can you imagine we, 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 we have a ghost at three hours and two minutes? <laughs> no, I would never watch that. <laughs> I think a little, I think a little bit more clarity on why exactly the trial was happening to Oppenheimer. By the time we get reveals on like who Strauss actually is and who he's, pl- who he's playing for and what the angle is. I think a little more clarity on that part, but again, that might just be, you need to watch this movie with more intellectual like knowledge, or you need to watch this movie and you know be able to pay attention a little bit better than i can but like i think a little more clarity on what's actually happening there and why it's happening sure like, when you say well he was going to get a security clearance what who the hell gives a shit about that like yeah. why is it a big deal well it's because once you don't have your security clearance you're basically out of the game exactly and like they don't they do a poor job of explaining that in the movie I think. sure and i think small details like that in a three-hour film how can you not fit those in is the, is like my, <laughs> is my, is my question yep. you have some space here so like 
I think that's my biggest gripe because like it took me a long time to catch up to why it mattered for A's security clearance and B like why like why Strauss was so against him at that point. Sure. So that took me a little bit. Other than that, I don't really have many complaints. I, I'm I'm gonna spoil something. I'm going very high on this rating for this movie for Ooh, me. Like, like I, I shocker. I really liked this movie, and it was like I I, I always like it when media affects me to where like I think about it long after I've watched it, and mm-hmm. it, like it consumes like my thoughts for like a couple of like a couple of hours or a couple of days, and I think on it. I love it when things do with me. It's why I love Chernobyl so much. It's why it's my favorite thing ever made in in media at this point. Like I love that mini series so much because of what it does to me on a cerebral level afterwards. I think about it for days afterwards. Okay. It's like, I think this is very good. It's, it's in that realm and it's just, it fits what I'm looking for. So I don't have a lot of complaints, I guess. Sure. So I don't necessarily have a complaint, but I have something that I think I might have tried to, bring to the attention so this movie has such a huge cast Mm -hmm. i was forgetting who people were Mm -hmm. yeah so at some points like if there had been a time jump you know when somebody hadn't been on the screen forever it could be like their name just Just, somewhere on yeah just like you know like niels bohr you know we haven't seen this dude in like an hour and 45 minutes and here he is again yeah shit that's who they're talking about okay i I remember that like i think if they had done that in periodically yeah or like when we were introduced a new character be like you know niels bohr physicist theoretic you know yeah. or you know munitions ordnance yeah. whatever their role hydrogen, was yeah like, they, they, they had the, they had the hydrogen yeah concept, like yeah. I w- if they'd have done that i think it would have been a little bit easier for me to remember exactly who these characters were mm-hmm. yeah um you know i obviously or we're never going to get that but i think in a movie with that that scale of a cast and for that length of time i think that's something like that helps yeah maybe um but other than that, uh, I, I, watching this on Amazon, like if you buy it on Amazon, X-ray, being able to pause it and see exactly who everyone is, that's going to yeah. be such a boon for people. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Remember their names. Yep. Um, I don't. I don't think I have any real, um, real complaints though. Yeah. Other than that, because like I said, there's such a just a large good cast. It's like you forget who some of these people are supposed to be. Yeah. What about you, Grayson? Um, actually, you know, in, in in a weird way, and I'm always I always try to think about these. What you just said, Roger, is. Because we always have these people kind of in a in an academic setting where they're all working together, and when they're not doing that, they're at a party or they're congratulating yeah. each other. Wouldn't that have been interesting? Is if you just every outfit that the person wore also had a name tag on it, because it doesn't break the fourth wall, but it it makes sense within within the film, within like the world that we're. Well, they all, cool? they're all wearing they're all wearing, especially at Los numbers. Alamos. They're wearing their 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 letter and number. If they would had like a last name underneath it, per- yeah. But that's what I'm saying per- like per- I, I don't know who <laughs> I don't know who C seven was or K seven. Yeah, like, that's yeah, the thing. I know who K six is. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. that's Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. But that's uh, that would have been cool and, and non fourth wall breaking because it make it makes yeah. absolute sense in the movie. I but. think I honestly just think that like that little thing would have helped in this movie a little bit. That's all. Um, no, no, I didn't dislike anything over major over that, that kind of bothered me. Um, I, I, I do wonder if it needed to be three hours, and it probably did. Uh, it probably could have stood to be a little longer. Actually, I'm sure there's a longer cut of this, or will be a longer cut available. There has to be, yeah. I imagine there's, I imagine there's like a five hour cut of this, or even probably six I'll, hour cut. I'll let you guys know when I find that Reddit shortcut, though. <laughs> there you go. Um, no, yes. I didn't. I didn't uh, dislike anything. I I liked that it. it felt like old Nolan. I liked that it. Um, I liked that it. 
it was a very it was a movie that demanded your attention and it, you kind of really have to keep your keep your like mind on the screen at all times yep which isn't a bad thing uh and i like how it's it's doing very well in the box of it the, the budget was only 100 million so it, it's 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 in the it's in the it's in the um profit margin right now it's like 448 or something but i mean i don't we're, i'm not sure i agree with the whole barbie thing is giving it more box office I was sitting here trying, I was sitting here thinking about I mean your your argument certainly holds water and I totally understand the argument. Um I don't know if because I don't know if it if it We're talking about a nerdy movie. We're talking about mathematics and science. Let, let me do some mathematics for you right now. I'll okay. break this down to where right, it makes right. complete sense cuz I like Oppenheimer more than Barbie, but I think Roger's 100% right. If you have if you have well, we'll just pick two random numbers, 1 million, which is which is what represents the Barbie uh, fandom, and you have five hundred thousand, which is the Oppenheimer fandom. If both people are going to decide on, if, if both teams have multiple people seeing multiple movies, then the amount of one million people that go to see Oppenheimer funnels in more people than Oppenheimer funneling in to see Barbie. It's just mathematically impossible for that not to be the case. People that are doing the double feature, whether it's at the same time or a week later or whatever they're doing. You get more people in Barbie coming over to see Oppenheimer that wouldn't versus Oppenheimer going over to see Barbie. Yeah, but why are they watching? Why are they coming from Barbie to watch Oppenheimer? Because it's a. No, I don't no, doubt I don't your argument. That. I don't doubt your argument here. I'm just trying yeah. to make you explain it more thoroughly. Well, because of it. Well, not, not like literally, as in like they're going to see Barbie and then Oppenheimer instead of you know like not the order of which, which but people that are taking part of the whole bar uh, like Barbenheimer double feature thing that like they're committing to because of the event that is culturally is what is what they're talking about. And always remember Barbie will always be more famous than Robert J. Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> true. That's <laughs> but, very like, true. The, yeah. There's just a larger amount of people that are that are going to go see Barbie that because of the Barbenheimer craze that they're going to get pulled into seeing Oppenheimer as well. Whereas the- you're getting more coming from Barbie than you're getting more going from Oppenheimer to yeah, Barbie. Exactly. Barbie to Oppenheimer is more than Oppenheimer to Barbie. Yes. That's all. Yeah, the ratio is is bigger on one side, which helps Oppenheimer in this case. It doesn't hurt either one. Yeah, helps, they're both gaining. Views helps from it. Oppenheimer more. That's yes. all. It's just right, nice to score this bad it's, boy. It's nice to see theaters full. Like so it's nice to see like Agreed. lobbies full and lines full again at the th- at the. I'm with, I'm with Roger on the on, on the complaint that I, I'll get to see less movies by myself because that's kind of nice. But it is fucking sweet. Well, it's once, terrible. Uh, it's once terrible school starts, once like. school starts again, it'll be you'll be back to that. True. Yeah. Tuesday at Tuesday, Tuesday one afternoon, yeah. one o'clock movie. <laughs> oh yeah, brother. <laughs> or if they keep doing then, the nine a.m. stuff, you you know you love. So it here's all. the thing: yeah. they won't, though, and that actually makes me sad <laughs> because I'm a morning guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I am. I'm a more. I'm a morning person. So if I can get up, get my kids to school, and go to the movie like an hour later, that rules. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm out of the movie theater by fucking quarter after one. I can get my whole day done now. That's right. <laughs> Christ, I'll become my dad. <laughs> it's true. That's, yeah, that'd be great. But theaters don't have much demand for a morning. I mean, Especially I during the off-peak time. Yeah, it's just more payroll. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, no, to- totally true. All right, so let's, uh, let's move to scores, bad boy, then. I went well, first for Barbie. Go for, I'll go first. I don't care. I've already written mine down, though. That's awesome. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> what are you doing, like show prep? That's what I'm sad about. <laughs> no, no, like, I just, once I write it down, it doesn't change. It stays it what it is. is. Yeah, see, I can't prove her. Just prove that. So <laughs> Plausible deniability. Yeah, that's fair. 
So, I mean, Oppenheimer was a great movie. Um, it's not the, the most fun ride I've ever been on in a movie theater. What? Uh, um, but I, I understand what we're watching, and, and I understand the fact that it is very good. Um, I don't think this movie's perfect, so it, it can't get a 10 for me. So mm-hmm. that's not where I'm going. Look, this movie's like a 9. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Oppenheimer is fucking good. Good, good. Uh, it deserves the money that's making. It deserves the critical claim that it's going to get. And... I may never watch Oppenheimer again. Yep. Nine. I might never watch a nine again. Yep. <laughs> that's, uh, yep. Put in, put in what Chris just said. That's what you just said. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'll, I, go, I'll go. I'll go. I'm, I'm, I'm also going to give it a nine. I thought it was okay. a very solid, a damn good movie. I thought it, there was a parts where it could have been. I can understand why people say it gets kind of lost for a few minutes in rambly, but I think we need that for context. Uh, especially in a movie like this where it's all of it is just dialogue anyway. So the, the more you have, the better off you are anyway. So I like that. Um, I, I'm not going to hold that as a negative, but it's a damn good movie. Uh, I loved so much of it. I loved the Einstein part. I, I loved, you know, the, the moral implications of what they should or shouldn't do. And I love how they talked about, well, Germany's defeated. Hitler killed himself. And it's only a matter of time before Tokyo surrenders do we need to do this? And like we did, they did spend like 15 to 20 minutes on that. And I, I appreciate that because that was a, probably a big debate for the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't, f- people say that this is a weird movie being about the a bomb. There's no mention of the Japanese delegations that we tried to meet with and say, look, we have a weapon that is, uh, you're going to be sorry it's if we use story. it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is like, I don't think it matters because it's not, this is, a movie about Oppenheimer and what he made, not, you know, putting and bringing an end to the war. But so I think pretty much a lot of people's complaints are really unfounded for this one. And it's a shame if you don't see this in a movie theater where the sound will rock your chair. Literally. Uh, there's so much to like about this movie. So I, yeah. it's, and just for the record, I don't, I don't think 10 a perfect movie. I don't think, I don't think uh, top gun Maverick. My, uh, one of my last tens is a, is a perfect movie. I think it's, as close as you can get without being perfect, but the last ten was a Spider Man. Oh, Spider! Wait, did we give that? Did we, give, did we give that a ten? You Two it? tens and some coward here giving a nine and a half, Chris. Oh, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Not the name names or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> name. You gave it a twenty nine point five out of thirty. What a dickhead! <laughs> I had um, to be the voice of reason. You got yeah, off the rails. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, okay, so yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, it's a 10 does not make perfect move, but it's just damn good. But this is a 9 in, in, in all respects. I'm glad that we're back and knowing this is good. Let's, let, let's stay on this track. Less le, yeah. less Tenant, less Dunkirk, and more of this. Hmm. All right, I guess it's my... So next up is my scoring. In the spirit of Barbie and Barbenheimer, uh, if you are a if you are not a fan of the patriarchy, probably don't want to go see this movie because there's a lot of guy shit. <laughs> And there's a lot of uh, there's, there's a lot, lot of women in charge. In this. There's a lot of women. The only thing it doesn't have is horses. <laughs> actually, it does have horses. Does have That's horses. wrong. I'm wrong. There's actually a lot it of horses. Checks all the Barbie patriarchy boxes. There's more so, horses in this movie than there are in Barbie. To be honest, if you well, if you count the air horses, no, you're wrong. Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> Which are relevant in Barbie. Um, no, but in all seriousness, sound design alone, this thing is phenomenal. I love what they do with sound and the way that they depict. The way Oppenheimer sees the world, the energy that he can see moving early on in this to show you what he's thinking and all that. All the characters cast. It's just it's such a good ride. This this movie is 
I feel like this is like made for me because it's a character piece. It's a history piece. Um, it's it's very in depth. It's very intelligent. It's well shot. It's the dialogue's great. This whole thing plays out just so positively for the things I want out of a movie. Um, this movie is not my next genders list, and it is not my next Chernobyl. But this is this is a this is a nine and a half for me as well. This is, and I'm saying as well as in according to like you know Spider Man and the Spider Verse. It's just a different nine and a half. This thing is so close to being same that. energy. <laughs> this is so close to to being you know what a like what the next step for a ten could be for me, but it's just not quite there because I don't think that when I watch this again, I won't be quite so taken by it because of what it's about is very much more. It's much more history than it is art, in my opinion. It's very much following this guy's life. Whereas in Schindler's List, there's a lot that happens in that movie that is, while it is about history and such, it isn't like they do things in that film that kind of pull away from the history part of it as well. Not in a bad way, just in a way to highlight certain things. So this movie doesn't do that. This movie leans more into the history side of things, and it's very entertaining and it's very good. And yeah, this movie is a nine and a half for me. It's fantastic. I will watch this again. It just, it, it, it'll be a minute. Uh, so you're not going to watch it. You're not going to take your wife to see it in the theater. No, no. She, she doesn't want to see this in theaters. She's, she needs to be. Why, why would you want to go back to see it a second time? in a theater? I don't think I want to see it that soon either. I think I'm okay with waiting until it comes out again because of, like I said, I, I was, I was brain fatigued after I saw this thing, man. It was nuts. But it's very good. I love this. I love this movie when I watched it. There are small things that change though, so it can't be a ten in my opinion. There are some small things that I could do away with, things I could alter a little bit to kind of like hone it towards what my idea of a perfect movie would be. So it's it's damn good though. Again, I don't. I think even a ten would include some things that I would change too. I, I don't think ten's Maybe. perfect, but it's that's you. That's yeah. your ten. That's not my that's ten. Fair, sir. But- I mean, I'd change nothing about Chernobyl. I'd change nothing about Schindler's really? List. They nothing. are perfect. They are perfect pieces of media. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, gentlemen, thank you for these two very lengthy episodes of mm-hmm. uh, Thanks for doing them with me. I appreciate that. And Roger, good luck on your vacation. May you consume yes. many. He pieces. won't need luck. He'll need. He'll need Jesus. <laughs> so old man me has already bought some Pedialyte, the new hydration pack stuff, because like, look. Look, they have uh, they have advanced yes. Pedialyte now for adults. Oh, yeah, they know what market they're selling. Yeah, oh, hell yeah, they do. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. Oh. Well, Roger, we wish you well on your vacation and have a good time. Don't worry about the podcast though. We'll be all have right. Have fun watching Haunted Mansion. <laughs> I'm actually yeah, looking forward to it. I'm actually, I'm actually looking forward to it. No, you're not. <sighs> I, in, in, in a weird way, I am. I, I like Lakeith Stanfield. After like... coming off Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you going to come off of these two great films to walk into that? Okay. What if it's good, though? What if it's good? What's our How motto? We just hope it doesn't... 33 million total worldwide. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Made a fraction of what Barbie did, like a fraction. All right, gentlemen. This has been episode 341B. B. Of For Love of Cinema, a movie podcast. Each new episode posts every Tuesday and Friday morning at 5 a.m. on the podcast service of your choice of the following five Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit of health. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the show on Twitter at Love Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. I am at Rod Stillian. I have no X. Don't forget to, <laughs> we didn't even talk about that. 
Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, always posting things on social media. Send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week, Chris and I are going to take a look at the Haunted Mansion and have a deeper dive into Nimona on Netflix. I didn't bring up nearly as many Ken quotes as I should have. <laughs> and that's where we'll stop.